Hey, how's it going? This is Craig Cannon, and you're listening to Y Combinator's podcast. Today's episode is a bit different. Adora Chung, who's a partner at YC, suggested we do an episode about podcasting. So in this one, I'm actually the guest. You can find me on Twitter at Craig Cannon and Adora at No Limits. All right, here we go. Welcome. I'm Adora Chung. I'm a partner at Y Combinator, and I am here interviewing Craig Cannon. How's it going? Good. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being on your own podcast. No problem. (laughs) I had a great time setting it all up. (laughs) Um, And so Craig is the head of marketing at Y Combinator and also the extraordinary host of this great Y Combinator podcast. And he actually asked me a few weeks ago on topics I was interested in and doing on a podcast. So I thought about things I wanted to learn more about. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is actually podcasting itself. It's hitting its stride, I think, and um, who better to ask than someone like yourself. So um, I want to spend most of the time talking about podcasting trends, what you think about it, how to do it correctly, things like that, and about the Y Combinator podcast itself. Um, but maybe you can start off with telling us, you know, people, people, lots of people listen to you, you know, what, two to three times a week. Yeah, it depends <laughs> And on I don't you. think they yeah. know anything about you. So why don't you start off with who's Craig Cannon? Where are you from? You know, how did you, what's your background? How did you, how did you, learn about YC and how did you even end up here? Yeah, that's a that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> I'll do the quick version. So uh, yeah, hi, my name's Craig. Uh, I'm from Boston or near Boston. I went to school at NYU and I was an English major. So I was like the guy all you people, all you CS engineers made fun of. Um, <laughs> and I was about to graduate and I realized that I was like moderately unemployable. I didn't have very many skills, but I was running the comedy magazine at NYU. And so I was like, well, maybe I can get a job at this place called The Onion. And so I just sent out an application and like that was the one thing I got. So I started working there. And while I was there, I actually started reading HN um, and programming on the side. And uh, after a few years there, I started this hackathon series called Comedy Hack Day where developers and engineers or developers and comedians made stuff together. Got it. So, so like that, like, it was like a literally hackathon. hackathon. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was, I was going to hackathons and realizing that they were mostly presentation competitions, mm-hmm. not really programming yep. competitions. What's an example of something that got produced during um, one of these things? So one of the early ones was called Timesify and it was a Chrome extension that would allow you to turn any website, usually a junk news website like BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. into a site that looked like the New York Times, but it would inject the article <laughs> into it. <laughs> and then like you could click the ads and it would basically create a slideshow of all the images. Yep. Uh, so that was great. And there are, there are a ton of them. Cool. Um, yeah, so I did that for like four years uh, with a few of my friends. And I had gotten into cycling when I was out here. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I found this thing, this like world record that I wanted to go for. And I and I did it and it worked out. And people started treating me differently. And it was really weird. And I and I like started feeling this like pending doom of my youth and vitality <laughs> fading away. Wait, what was the world record again? Uh, it was uh, most elevation climbed in 48 hours. Oh, wow. How so, much is that? Uh, well, it mine was like 97,000 okay. feet. Got it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, people were treating me differently. And I was like oh shit, I'm not going to be young forever. And so I quit and I went on like a five-month bike tour. And and I was like out of the country and I went to Japan and Vietnam and and New Zealand. And I came back and I had no job and I had no idea what I was going to do. 
And then Luke Eisman, uh, who used to oh, work right. here, mm-hmm. um, called me up and asked me if I wanted to do a contract for the blog. Mm-hmm. And so that started, you know, three years ago. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. so you, okay. So you start with the blog and then, so what were the steps into how you eventually started this, the YC podcast and why, why even the podcast? Yeah. Um, so it should be said that Aaron did a YC podcast mm-hmm. a few years ago, uh, called Startup School Radio. Um, and yeah, I wanted actually, I didn't care as much about making a podcast. I wanted to make a YouTube channel mm-hmm. because YouTube, I think a lot of people know now, uh, has great SEO and podcasts have terrible SEO. And so I was like, all right, what's the easiest way for us to create a ton of content for a YouTube channel and then title it all in a way that, you know, like our founders get attention, like stuff we want to talk about gets attention. And more importantly, it doesn't fade away. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, podcast is a good way to do that. And yeah, we just started from there. Oh, so podcast is the way to get the content and then YouTube is the way to spread it. Well, because we do both. Um, but I I think it was like 2014 or 2015 when I started following Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And I just saw this like massive mm-hmm. growth happening. And people were like clipping his videos and creating like fan channels. And now I think his YouTube channel gets as many views as his podcast gets downloads, right. which isn't true for ours. Right. Um, but yeah, if you look for Odora Chung online, like yeah. I'm sure if yeah. you Google yourself, like you show up, you know, <laughs> occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so to calibrate us, to calibrate us a little bit. So the Y Combinator account, how do you, like, how many views do we get? Or, you know, how do you, how do you even calculate this? Or what, what metric actually matters? And so let me, let's talk about that. Yeah. So the thing that ultimately really matters is like, we, we kind of have two goals. So one is to, you know, help educate founders mm-hmm. and people who are in the startup game. And two is to uh, bring other founders in. So the way we're trying to calculate this, and it's still pretty loose, is by driving applications. Mm -hmm. And that's like the main thing. Uh, But in terms of like sheer metrics, you know, we started out just like possibly a little bit bigger than other shows Mm -hmm. by having like maybe two or three thousand people Mm -hmm. automatically subscribe. And now we're maybe like 40-ish thousand, mm-hmm. give or take, you know, five or 10,000 every episode, plus YouTube. So YouTube can go from like a thousand to a hundred thousand, yeah. depending on how who the person is. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Got it. So, um, all right. So I wanted to get into how you create a podcast, essentially, mm-hmm. and your tips there. So let's pretend I'm, I want to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have a topic that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um how do I decide if that's actually a good idea or not to even work on it? Do you, do you have a, an idea in mind? Um, not, I have a, th- well, I can come up with a theoretical idea. Yeah. So, so one I've always just joked around doing, which I think actually might be a good idea, is to do a podcast where I ask little kids questions, like deeply philosophical questions. Okay. Um, just because I think they will, they actually have great insight into the world in which we are <laughs> unaware of. <laughs> I, you've seen that show, right? Kids um, say the darndest things. Yes, people have told me about that. I have yeah, not yeah. seen it, but I've seen clips of it. I've seen like little clips of okay. it. Yes, yes. So right off the bat, there's clearly an audience already for this. Mm-hmm. Like that show worked. Um, the first question is honestly, do you want to do the thing? Mm-hmm. And I, I think another question that a lot of people don't ask is, am I willing to even create like a time box around this and say I'm okay if I make ten episodes? Because one of the hardest parts about podcasting. In particular, if it's not your job, like with YC, I'm just like, okay, we'll just keep banging out every week. If it's not your job, it can become a real grind Mm -hmm. because those metrics don't go up that quickly. You know, getting from like 30,000 to 40,000 and 40,000, 50,000 can take years for certain people. Um, So assuming that you really want to do the thing 
think what could I maybe make like eight of these? Like Alexis Madrigal did that with the Container Podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listened to that one, no. but it was super cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like the short version. Uh, I thought that was a great idea. Mm-hmm. So then I would. Would this be scripted in any way? Probably not, but okay. I would have to probably edit a a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So what I would I would suggest doing then is just getting like a basic basic setup. And then just going and recording a bunch. Like, don't even release. Got it. Cool. And um, so the YC podcast has every 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 episode has its own top mm-hmm. topics. So how do you come up with those topics? Yeah. So in many ways, it's about like stuff I'm interested in. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> I I don't know. I I hit this point where you know we hang out. Other we you hang out with other people at YC and people who are in tech. And I just found that there wasn't really any tech podcast that interested me because mm-hmm. it all feels very inside baseball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe other founders aren't interested in this either because mm-hmm. they talk about it all the time. Um, so I thought, okay, perhaps we could focus on technology as a core, as like a pillar, but also do, you know, art in science and in entrepreneurship. Um, and then it's just been like getting a mix of these people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. A, a big driver is obviously if they have a following. Got it. Okay. But then, yeah. So you have a topic for the episode. Then you obviously need to find someone to interview. <laughs> it usually goes the other way. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, yeah, tell me the order of operations of how you put together a whole t- entire podcast. Okay. Episode. So a common one is I ask someone at YC like you, yep. hey, who do you want to do a podcast with? You know, Kevin uh, Hale has done a few recently. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other ones. For instance, I did an episode with uh, John Preskill, who's a quantum physicist at Caltech, and he suggested other people. So he was like, oh, man, you got to get like Scott Aronson, Leonard Susskind, all those people. And so that's a really common thing. Um, yeah, it's just finding trends, finding things that are interesting and cool. like going from there. And is booking guests easy, hard? Or are there, <laughs> what are reasons why people don't want to do it? Because I'm sure some people have said, uh, not really. The more common no is not replying. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> there are there are some fringe ones for sure where people say, I don't know if I want to be on a YC podcast. Interesting. Because um, there are certain brand connotations. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So you're making this actually, to do a podcast sounds like almost like starting a startup. Like you need to validate your audience. You, you know, you yeah. need, you, there's a lot of hard, long days of work to do. Um, and you know, maybe there's a lot of cold emailing, <laughs> cold outreach, essentially, and just like keep asking people to to do it until they actually. And then keep it. keep learning too. Yep. I, I think thinking about content in the same way you think about product is just like great. There you go. You can apply all the same ideas. Yep. Cool. Um, all right. So, how do you prepare for interviews? In particular, you have some interviews that involve topics which you're probably not an expert no. in, like <laughs> I don't know, quantum not. physics, <laughs> these kind of things. Yeah, sure. But you actually ask really good questions so yeah how do you do that so i i think i would probably break apart the episode types so there there's episodes like office hours with a door okay i know you i know the kinds of questions that come in i don't really have to prep for that one there's a middle level which is a founder of a company like say ryan peterson at flexport Mm -hmm. i kind of know what flexport does i've seen ryan talk before in that instance what i would do is find every podcast he's ever done and listen to all of them at like 2x speed. So you're like, okay, this is the stuff he's excited about. These are the anecdotes he's used a million times. Avoid anything that he's going to like have these really easy places to go. Uh, And 
the last category are the quantum physics type episodes, which, yeah, to confirm your belief, I'm not an expert in. <laughs> um, yeah. In, How long in, does it take? Like, the, for example, that episode itself, did mm-hmm. you... Like these, some of these you don't have to, you barely have to do any prep. For yeah. this one, like, did it take weeks or days or? The first quantum physics episode with, well, there was a hard one before that too with Ron Adhikari about gravitational waves. Um, but the quantum one was more difficult. Mm-hmm. That probably took two and a half days um, between listening to John's talks and reading articles he's written. Uh, you know, with with other people, Scott Aronson, I read his whole book mm. and you just like take notes on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, the, the goal is actually not to become an expert. The goal is to become informed enough that I know more than maybe the average listener, but not so informed that we fill it with jargon mm-hmm. and, and talk about stuff that like no one really knows about or cares about. That makes sense. Yeah. But there are examples like the Suskin episode, which is one of the most popular ones. Uh we had planned for months and then the week before I hadn't done any prep yet. The week before I'm like, all right, you know, we're going to meet here. Da, 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 da. No reply. Oh, no. Usually when that happens, it means that he's ghosting me. <laughs> and so I didn't do any prep. And so he, I'm like, all right, he's ghosting me. He's ghosting me. He's ghosting me. We're doing the interview on Monday. He emails me Sunday night and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I have to like cram it in. Uh, so possibly the YouTube comments reflect my level of preparedness. <laughs> oh no. But, uh, which is a separate thing Got to it. deal with. Was yeah. that the most, well, what was the most challenging one uh, for you? The, I would say the, hmm. So John Preskill was particularly difficult because he's also very chill. Mm. And so keeping it upbeat, keeping it interesting, keeping it fun. Uh, but I would say the one I bombed hardest on was Jocko Willink and Mike Sorelli. I don't know if you listened oh, to that one. Oh, the Navy, the Navy SEAL, SEAL guy. Episode. Yes, I remember listening to it. Yeah, I think I was just too nervous. And <laughs> I, I have this thing where when I get nervous, I laugh. And it, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, it was fine. But it was, you know, like we hung out afterwards and I was like, yeah, this is much better than cool. before. Cool. Um, so on the topic of keeping a podcast or an episode engaging, how do yeah. you, like you said, some people are just really chill and maybe they're monotonous or whatnot how do you push them to keep it engaging so usually there's this doesn't come out in the podcast but we talk before we start recording Mm -hmm. right and so you kind of feed them what they should think about how they should act like you know basically like these are the norms of the show and most of it's just about making them really comfortable Mm -hmm. and we do a slight amount of editing usually almost none but if i edit anything it's often the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll just cut the whole first five minutes off because you're like, oh, Adora really got warmed up and she was into it at this point. Yep. And I can mix in an intro. Like I, people think this matters, but like the intro doesn't really matter. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's not a, a big thing that I care about. And actually one of the best podcasters in this regard is uh, Russ Roberts from Econ Talk. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. So if you, li- if you pay attention to his show, mm-hmm. he always starts with a, not a controversial question, but a question that's not a softball. Mm. And I think that's a really great way to start the show. Got it. Because you you want to give them something that's interesting to them, but you don't want to confront them. And this is something that uh, a lot of podcast hosts, and I, I fall prey to it too, 
you don't want to offend someone. Mm-hmm. And so you're really nice. Yep. So you ask them all these like softball questions. Got it. But you don't really go anywhere. Yep. And that's what that's how you end up with like uh, the Joe Rogan, Elon Musk episode. <laughs> did you see that one? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like Joe Rogan's great. And Elon Musk is capable of giving good answers. Uh-huh. But because he knows so much more than Rogan and Rogan didn't prep that much, uh-huh. he just dodged him the whole time. Mm. And he was fanboying. Yep. So, yeah. 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 Those get obvious after yeah the first 10 minutes it's like okay this is going down the yeah <laughs> not gonna learn much here <laughs> do you listen do you listen to full episodes normally or do you Jordan, of um, any of any I, podcast um i try if i'm going i try listening to joe rogan i love i like his so do i listen to the whole th- uh maybe once a week i'll listen to one a whole, whole one week. Um, in other shows you listen to the whole shows, thing i listen to yours thanks um <laughs> those are maybe the only two where i regularly listen to the whole thing okay. um yeah, I guess not much. Because this is something that I, I often think about the, the, because the metrics are not the metrics. The mm-hmm. analytics are so mm-hmm. bad. You don't really right, know. Yeah. Like, man, should I just be cutting this down to? Yeah. I think they're just different audiences. It's not like YouTube where you can see where they just dropped off. Well, you have Apple analytics, but they're not very good. Oh, really? And yeah. it's only a percentage of the market. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to talk about analytics in a second. Sure. Um, but um, actually, let's just talk about analytics. Okay. So... Apple Analytics, there's nothing like Mixpanel or Amplitude or any of these. It's like Google Google Analytics version 0.1. That's where Apple <laughs> Analytics gets you. Because you, I, I think what might not be obvious to people is that podcasts aren't like YouTube videos. You don't upload your podcast to iTunes. Mm-hmm. You upload your podcast to a host, and then the host serves the podcast from an RSS feed. Mm-hmm. And because that's the way it works what information you can get is like serves like it's been downloaded mm-hmm. basically x amount of times but you don't have any kind of that like retention data mm-hmm. that you have uh, unless you're using apple or you're using an embedded player mm-hmm. uh so if you listen for instance on the yc blog in the embed thing then i know mm-hmm. but got it that's it yeah so really only these podcast pl- podcast players might know th- well they will know it given what that what uh for that episode i guess that yes. it's actually played on their podcast yeah but i guess the players have you're seeing fragmentation amongst players now i've heard something like 60 percent is apple okay. apple podcast okay got it so it's pretty big share yep but then after that it's just i think that there's a dominant player on android i, I don't have an android i forget what it's called and then there's yeah, a bunch of I other use ones. Castbox on Android. Oh, but I don't it's know. actually not that one. Oh, it's, it's oh, um, I just Googled for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was a YC company, and that was like when they applied. I was like, no way, the podcast app. There's the podcast app. It's yes, like yeah. such a great name. Yes. Yeah, yeah, such a good idea. Um. Okay. Cool. So, what are other tools, um, that are indispensable for the podcast? So maybe we we'll start with yeah. software, and then you've got a lot of gear. But yeah. I, what I'll say is, so I did my research and I listened to, before this, I listened to a lot of your first episodes. Oh, no. And so you can hear, and which is actually pretty good quality. But then if you listen to the last 10 episodes that you just did, They're you can better. hear the sound quality. It's like less, there's less echo. You can hear the voice more clear. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, maybe walk me through, like, how, what did you start with? And what what's the gear that, like, what's the MVP gear you need yeah, to yeah, get yeah. going? And then what do you have today? The MVP gear is this. This is your phone. You can record a podcast on your phone (laughs) and don't let your gear disqualify you from doing it. That's my main point. But what I started with um, back in the... I did a podcast before YC too. Oh, Um, what was it? It was called... It was great. It was called Salt of the Earth. It's still on iTunes. (laughs) And uh, it was really funny in, in contrast to the YC podcast because it was... 
in relation to tech entrepreneurs getting so much attention, mm -hmm. my friend and I were, uh, we went to college together and we, we both grew up in New England and none of our role models were tech entrepreneurs. Mm. They were like local electricians and stuff. And so we said, dude, why isn't there a podcast with these guys Cause, and, and ladies who are often very funny? Mm -hmm. And so we, it was like really hard to find these people, but funny, successful small business entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So so we did that. And, you know, we maxed out like uh, $2,000 downloads an episode or something <laughs> like that. But we had really simple gear. And so that was a... um a zoom recorder so it has like four inputs um totally great and and sure mics that were like you know 50 bucks each and the zoom recorder i don't know it's like 100 bucks mm -hmm. so they're also usb there's this thing called the blue yeti which you can just plug into your laptop and mm -hmm. record got it cool and then and, oh yeah in the gear now yeah uh, oh yeah so i don't know if, <laughs> if you're listening to this on a podcast craig like when he doesn't episode he he actually has a lot of stuff and one of the things he does is he takes down our walls <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these portable walls that are in another room and then he like drags them into like a really small conference room so i guess yeah. that's for sound but yeah, yeah and I, I think it actually ends up looking better too um <laughs> in a weird yeah. in a weird way but uh yeah so okay so what happened there was i realized after i started doing this podcast in this room that this is not the best room in the world to record a podcast. But actually, our office doesn't have many great rooms for that because you don't—you definitely don't want a street window. Right. But it also needs to like not be in use all the time. And so I was basically left with like this room. So yeah, so I have these like sound blocking things to eliminate echo because my voice was getting picked up on your microphone. And now it's a little bit. You still get it, but it's a little bit less because we don't do the headphones. You've probably seen that before. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. I tried it and everyone freaked out. I hate headphones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do, when I was in college, I did a radio show. Really? And I was, I, because I, you just, you're hearing yourself yeah. talking. And I was the one who like was the annoying one and just. You were the host? No, 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 no. I, well, it was like a talk show. So it was like. Okay. Just gabbing. It was like old school podcasts, I guess. What was, was it like, about? It was just, it was a, uh, we talked about news in the school and just regular politics and stuff like that. I really hope this was not recorded <laughs> <laughs> and does not exist anymore. Oh, that was my <laughs> so next was, question. Oh, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was a local college news station. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. Uh, that's a separate question that someone asked that we should talk about yes. hearing, hearing your voice. But yeah, so now we use, um, these are sure SM. 7b mics these are like 300 bucks mm -hmm. uh the biggest upgrade was the recorder which was actually from a youtube comment this is called a mix pre 6 sound devices uh to make these sure mics sound good you need a bunch of what they call clean gain and our zoom recorder didn't really do that this thing does that mm -hmm. and then we record on like canon dslrs mm -hmm. so they're like you know less Got than a thousand okay. bucks each okay so your suggestion is step one just use an iphone because that's good quality anyway. Well, I, I wouldn't suggest iPhone as doing it. Okay. But I was like, you can conceivably do it with an iPhone. Got it. Okay. But what I would suggest is if you're going to move around locations all the time, and even if you're not, um, if you're going to do the interviews in person, get a recorder, like a Zoom uh, H4n, something like that. Get Sure Mics SM58, whatever. They're like 60 bucks. And XLR cables, so the cables to plug them in. And you can take it anywhere. Mm -hmm. If you're going to interview people remotely, get a USB mic, like a, a Blue Yeti, and okay. then and then just and then do it over Skype. So yeah, there's a uh, I've I've used it one time. I forget. I'm bummed out that I don't remember what it's called. There's podcasting software where you can record online. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if you just Google it. Okay. Um, Got it. Yeah. Cool. Um, 
All right. And then how do you, and then what's the, sorry, this is really noob questions, but yeah, yeah. like, so you record it, you're editing it. Do you use software to edit? Oh yeah. So, um, we definitely use software to edit. Uh, there's free software called audacity. Okay. Again, you can take the file from your iPhone, put it into audacity. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. We use, because we have video, we actually just edit the video and then export the video audio to a podcast. I see. And then if you, you've heard it before, but like I record a, uh, an intro f- thing. Right. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Which is what I like, but other people like songs, other people right. like little clips from the show, whatever. Yeah. Um, so. Cool. And then you have to serve it and we use backtracks for that. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So you mentioned your voice. Do yeah. you think your voice sounds awful when you listen to it? It, well, I, I mean, man, you get used to it. That's my answer. Okay. Yeah, because you have to, because you're the one editing too, so you have to play back everything. Yeah. Okay. So you just get used to it. Well, because, yeah, my answer to this question is actually like, well, what, how do you feel about your voice? I, I generally don't like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, it sounds different than when I'm like when I'm hearing myself. I sound very different yeah. than when I hear it on a recorded version. Is it lower, higher? How does it it's, sound to you? just not what i expect it's okay. it's low a little bit lower i think okay i think i don't know yeah it's tricky because actually some people have figured out ways to manipulate in uh, like post-production mm-hmm. their voice to make it sound closer to what it sounds like in their head <laughs> which is you know like i i often think about this i did a an episode of another podcast and it was bassier mm-hmm. than we normally record at mm-hmm. and i was like oh man that sounds like more like my actual voice yeah but uh, yeah, I, personally, I don't really like the NPR tone, like, you know, really like soft. Oh, like, yeah. I don't really like it. So I'm OK with it. But you get a My voice in, in my head is lower. But as soon as you start recording yourself on video all the time, you're like, oh, man, that's what I look like. And then you feel like <laughs> way worse about that. So, I, yeah, I got over it. Um, OK, cool. So let's move to what you've learned from the YC podcast itself. Sure. OK, so let's start off with actually what what has been what's been the best interview, your favorite interview so far? Um, so my favorite interview. So the most popular one is Leonard Susskind. Okay. So that's yeah, that's the most popular one. Uh, but I've actually learned a lot from different people. Um, I really like the uh, Michelle Kuo interview with Kat. So that was about art and technology. Oh, that's uh, right. I watched that. Yeah, was I a fun that. one. Yeah, yeah. She she's awesome. Um then Ryan Peterson interview was a great one. Yeah. He's he's got this like cool like <laughs> hu- like hustle but not annoying yep. vibe, uh, which I really liked. Um the Rosalind Watts, the psilocybin, the mushroom interview. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, that was like I because I mean I had heard about it, but I didn't know it in that detail. Mm-hmm. Uh that was awesome. Um and then maybe some of the ones with my friends have been really fun. Cool. It's like, like uh, my friend Matt Hackett started this company with Casey Neistat. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that one too. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. And what's the most surprising thing you've learned about startups after joining YC and interviewing so many founders like Ryan? Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one that you should answer too. But um, <laughs> I think th- th- like a, a core part of it that wasn't obvious to me from the outside was how important confidence is mm-hmm. and how how big of it how big of a role it plays in just doing the thing mm-hmm. a lot of people oftentimes when i i meet them and they're interested about yc they make up these things in their heads that disqualify themselves from starting mm-hmm. and a lot of the successful founders don't do that ever mm-hmm. and then they also have gotten into yc or some other thing and they like have a little bit of like kind of wind behind them and so they have just like the confidence to do the thing mm-hmm. 
And I would say that's like a learned trait Mm -hmm. and that's a skill that you can develop. And a lot of people might not think it is, but I, I, I really do think it is. Um, so yeah, I, I would just tell people like, just do the thing and and like know that you're good enough because they're just normal. Yep. Like, I don't know. What would you, what do you say? No, I think, I think that's, that's a good observation. Um, I, I think it's hard to, you know, one of the things as, um, working with startups now that, um, I do is during office hours, for example, is, um, is just keep the, keep the optimism of where this could go at, uh, at a realistic, but high level, Uh uh, meaning like the everyday, you know, the ground every day, you would not think it's going anywhere fast. (laughs) But, um, so it's always, I like to remind people like, this is where, you know, you started this for, for this reason. Um, and, and this reason could be bigger than what you even thought about what you thought it could be. Um, but regardless, you know, you should always think about why you're doing something. Um, That's, that's a really good thing too. Like, bigger than you think it could be. Mm -hmm. This is a big, I mean, big, it's a, it's a core thing in Silicon Valley that I like get some criticism and cause you could say like, all right, not everything is venture fundable, sure. nor should it be. Sure. But there's another way to think about that, which is it's not as risky as you think it is. Mm-hmm. And it's actually often easier to find people to work with if you're like, I'm just going to build rockets now. Yep. And you really stand out. Whereas like doing these, like, I don't, I don't want to put it down, but like hackathon level, like SAS tools mm-hmm isn't as compelling mm-hmm. to people. Right. No, that has been a big takeaway for me as well. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm just, I'm going to start uh, going through questions that okay. Twitter has. Twitter <laughs> okay. was great. I didn't have to prepare much for this interview. Um, so what have you learned from any of your guests that you've put into practice? Um, okay. I mean, I think like the on- honest to God main thing is uh, it's just gotten me super anxious about doing my own thing. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you must do a startup now <laughs> or something yeah yeah because you can only interview so many people where you're like i mean this is this is fun to do but mm-hmm. you know being the host it yeah. just it kind of sinks into your mind as um i mean kind of reviewing yc applications too um as this observer of trends happening of things happening and you realize that you're just like this passing moment in someone else's life and, mm-hmm. and it's cool and everything but they're like getting right back to their thing. So I really admire that. Um, that's been a big thing. Uh, Sam encouraged me to just like do the thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is like always good. And he's very helpful there. Uh, mushroom interview. Very interesting. And you can do your own research privately in different countries if you want to do that. <laughs> uh, Tim Wong, um, he he did the container book with me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, he's been on twice. He's the AI policy guy. Yeah. I remember. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I've met him. Yeah. So Tim's awesome. And so Tim is one of the only people I know who has been able to maintain cool jobs, but also have all the like little side hustle projects going on. And like his his work ethic is unprecedented cool. in my mind yeah. for that kind of thing. Um, and I think maybe the the last one is just realizing like it doesn't take that much to generate a, a pretty real following online mm-hmm. by writing and communicating clearly. Mm. I think like YC that's at the core of YC, right? Like PG's essays or content marketing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're cool. They're yep. obviously like valuable, right. but it's you know. Yep. And uh, you know, like uh, Andrew Cortina from Venmo. That's how I found out about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like Michael, mm-hmm. like Cybol's essays are great and yep. really help him. Yep. 
So, yeah. yeah. I like them when they're to the point. Yeah. I mean, this is tricky, right? Like, that's just a style thing. Yeah. Like, who are your favorite writers right now? Um, I guess in the in that scene. Oh, in the tech, in the tech scene? scene. I don't, you know, honestly, you don't read, I don't read yeah. them. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. This is the podcast, yeah, too. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, I, I wish uh, PG would write more essays is what I, um, I'm secretly uh, hinting at that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> all right. So... What are the what are the top what are the most counterintuitive or maybe non-consensus things you've learned about building successful startups after interviewing so many founders? Uh, I think well, okay. I also I want your answer on all of these because these are like <laughs> these are really cool questions. Um, there's definitely no one model for a successful startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're usually not riding some trend in the middle of the wave. They're like way early, so it seems weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not doing like AI, blockchain, da da da, right now. Uh, that's definitely a thing. Um, and and then I think they like often are, are more focused on finding these really big problems than they are on just focusing on like doing a startup or a company. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely not attached to a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people, with that in mind, in my experience, like there aren't a lot of crazy pivots, like 180 degree pivots. Mm-hmm. They come in and they're like, hey, I found this thing. And then all of a sudden they realize that it's like quite large mm-hmm. or they change degree a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not like a total turn. Um, yeah. And then the last thing is like, they're just normal people. I don't yeah. know. I think like they get built up so much. I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, cool. Uh, What's your answer? Oh, I <laughs> I agree with. It's th- a good question. I, you know, I, I actually agree with the whole, um, what did you say about the AI blockchain though thing? It's, oh, they're, they're not in the, like the middle of a big trendy wave. Oh, they're right. early. Oh, okay. So no, what I was thinking was, um, I think the best ideas are when you can explain the problem and even the solution without saying jargon, like without saying AI or blockchain. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think some investors are, when you say those words, they go, they're like, I'm in. Um, but for me, it's, I think if you can articulate it without actually describing the new tech you're doing, yeah. like that's never, that's always like the mechanism of which you're solving the problem, but that's never, you know, I don't think that's the problem you're solving, if that makes sense. Like, I totally, I mean, it's, it's this question is like, what mic do you need, man? It's, <laughs> it's, it's a tools question. Right. Yes. And then, but it's, it's not a product question. Yeah. And that's the answer. Like I said. Content, product, same thing. Like, do you make a good podcast? Do you make a good app or whatever you might be making? Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that you've done podcasting for many years, <laughs> if you had to start one again from scratch, okay, how would you structure it? Okay. So I have a couple notes on this, but the thing is, I kind of did start this podcast from scratch Mm -hmm. so in many ways it reflects my personal taste and how i like shows to go Mm -hmm. um if i were to do my own thing Mm -hmm. like not yc related from scratch so that like the main constraint here has been this is still my job right and so that in that way i think in real life i would have in real life in like a non-YC podcast, I'd have more like really strange people. Like weird, like definitely do not fit in this podcast. What's an example of that? Um, well, he's not. Okay, so one one friend comes to mind. He's not actually weird. Uh, not that weird. But he is an off-the-grid guy in the middle of Vermont. And so he's like built his whole cabin in the woods. He's homeschooled all of his kids. 
he uh, is solar powered, like all of that stuff. But he's also, you know, a, a teacher out of college. Mm-hmm. And so he's super smart, but a sweetheart and like living this very weird, different life that I think appeals to a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um, so like stuff like that, where it's, there have been moments where I'm like, could I, is this like a YC episode? Eh, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe not. Uh, I mean, even like the Casey Neistat episode, I was a little bit like, I don't know if this is going to fly. Uh, so there's like a little bit of a branding thing you have to think about. Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, yeah. I mean, this is like a separate conversation, but given that the podcast has grown a little bit, you know, I have like 18 bosses. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, oh man that sounds awful it's, it's fine everyone's everyone who i see is cool but like yeah. that like at any given moment i can get emails from anyone yeah and like this is how i feel about the podcast and usually it's uh an expression of personal taste mm-hmm. and this is something that you have to get used to with creative work right mm-hmm. it's like differentiating oh this is objectively good feedback even if it hurts versus oh they just have a personal opinion it feels that they feel that way and both strategies can work Mm-hmm. which is really hard got it so yeah so the answer to the question is like uh i would make it more weird i would have uh like maybe like sillier people on mm-hmm. uh but i would definitely still do youtube mm-hmm. do transcripts mm-hmm. do the podcast like clip the show as much as you can like mm-hmm. i'm really bad at that yeah but like clipping it for youtube yep um and then like pro tips Big names still work. Yeah. Like trends still work. I don't do a lot of trend stuff, but big names work. Do you see, when you talk about um, clipping, do you see, does that in whole, unique wise, um, unique listener wise anyway, get you more Mm. listens than people just listening Mm. it from the audio stream? So what's tricky? (laughs) Oh yeah, this is a a learning. Uh, We have two YouTube channels subscribe uh we have y, <laughs> we have y combinator and y combinator clips, clips right yeah. because what happened was initially i was like oh i'll just clip the show because this is great it's great for seo right you title like you know jessica livingston on finding a co-founder mm-hmm. rather than jessica lives livingston with sam Altman, right right <laughs> and and then you can make like five clips from one episode which is cool but when i put out all like seven videos on one day everyone freaked out on the youtube comments like what are you doing man like you're clogging my feed so i was like okay fine i'll make a clips channel the problem there is like the clips channel doesn't have that like flywheel effect so in the long run you see this with joe rogan like there are in aggregate like his show clipped out Mm -hmm. will do more than an individual episode but but you need an audience before right yeah which requires like yeah big bigger names help in that way right makes sense yeah um one question. Why are more podcasts not actually videos on YouTube? Because people are dumb. By people, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasters? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's more work, right? And I think this is actually like a fairly new revelation. Like some people have been doing it for a while, but I don't think it's been as obvious to people mm-hmm. that you can even just like upload a still image of you mm-hmm. and then the audio and that would be a thing. Yep. Um, yeah, but answer. it's interesting that you actually thought in reverse. Like, I want to start a YouTube channel because that's where the audience is. Yeah, and then I podcasting is a excuse to get that content. Yeah, um, what's well, that's smart. The, well, the the question was, I, I met with Michael in this room when we were talking about it, and we were like, where where are the youths hanging out? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, man, it's I don't know. Like a, a lot of these other mediums are kind of feel aging to me. Yep. Whereas YouTube's just going to be young, yep. or it still is young for yeah. a while. Oh, and then you guys started Instagram. 
Yeah, that was another thing I'm bad at. Yeah. So thanks for reminding me. Yeah, it's like... Uh, Did you ever do Snapchat too? We, we didn't do Snapchat. I held out because people were like, oh, you want to be like the YC personality on Snapchat? <laughs> it's like, no fucking way. We had Justin for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we clipped the podcast on YouTube, on Instagram. And that actually does really well too. Um, it just takes work. All right, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, so what patterns have you recognized in... Just from your, just from YC, but when a, when a YC podcast, mm -hmm. when an episode gets popular or viral, what are the reasons for that? Mm -hmm. Like besides like big name. Yeah. Big name is like an easy one. Um, usually it's some certain like cohort of influencers grab it online and then it just goes mm -hmm. like w this has been true. And I, I, I won't go so far as to say any of the episodes have gone viral. Like yeah. okay. definitely not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one of the strategies for the physics episodes was we want more people to apply who are studying physics and there aren't that many big names in those communities. Therefore, if we get the biggest names in those communities, we can get them to at least know about YC, right? And so what I realized there was like those communities, again, not viral, but as soon as anything is shared within those communities, everyone shares it. And so you have like John Prescott will share it, but then like Sean Carroll will share it. And then, uh, you know, like Scott Aronson will share it. Mm -hmm. And it's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like finding these like small but really tightly networked communities works really well. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you want guests that are maybe not within startup tech itself, but it kind of adjacent. Just This, just is, my, this is my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. This is like how I, I differentiate. Yeah, no, it makes, makes sense. Because I'm yeah. like, okay. I mean, actually, a really good example of that is uh, Mr. Money Mustache. Do you listen to that one? Uh, what was that one? So about? that was about personal finance and like saving oh, your I money. Don't think it's okay, so this has been a, f a crazy trend happening in the past maybe ten years uh, about people saving high, high, high percentages of their income and in, quote retiring early, mm -hmm. right? So I think Pete, that this guy, Mr. Money Mustache. Mm -hmm. uh, saved up like something like 600k mm -hmm. and owned his house outright mm -hmm. and then he you know quote retired at 30 and it's become he's become like a figurehead and a cult cult leader i mean yeah we, the episode is called um uh, don't start a blog start a cult mm -hmm. and this is, comes from one of his talks and but people at yc were like dude what are you talking about like starting <laughs> cults and um but but he has this like passionate following of of in large part software engineers mm -hmm. because they earn so much money it's very easy to save fifty percent of your income, mm -hmm. and so yeah I was like oh this is tech adjacent this physics thing is tech adjacent people like taking mushrooms that's tech adjacent <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, that was more of a trend thing actually yeah uh, but yeah cool yeah um all right so. In terms of the future of podcasting, so mm -hmm. it seems like it's taking off now. And one of the primary problems, I guess, is it's hard to make money. Yeah. I mean, it starts with it's hard to measure, but but one, it's hard to make money. What do you think is the future of podcast monetization? I think there are a few possible avenues. I I tweeted this out recently, but the with the Spotify Gimlet anchor right. deal, right? Um, it's conceivable that a lot of these podcasters get on contracts with big companies like Spotify and are just paid mm -hmm. because for the majority of them, like they're not making more than a, you know, a thousand bucks a month off of ads. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you're not a big podcaster, a lot of them aren't making any money. Um, and they actually don't care all that much about having maximum distribution, which is different than Rogan because Rogan wants to sell comedy shows. 
he's monetized his podcast. This is why comedians dominate podcasts. Like they have a business plan right here. This is all marketing mm-hmm. and their content super interesting. Mm-hmm. So they've figured it out. The people who have had products on the side have figured this out mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, I think we're going to see a decrease in uh, CPM around uh, podcast advertising because mm. it's been like a racket. Hmm. And now it's I think it's really thinned out. Like As in it was more lucrative than it, used, than it is now. I see. It was higher than it would have what it actually performed because it was just made up right so you're like hey mailchimp i want 20 grand i see and they're like okay fine and <laughs> like that's how it goes uh so yeah and so i think that'll be a trend um i think we're gonna see some kind of patreon model work out in some way i wouldn't be surprised if we saw more like tipping happening that will probably be a new app mm-hmm. uh stuff like himalaya in china for sure mm-hmm. with yes. like tons of educational yeah, content yeah um and, and one thing that I've really been surprised at that doesn't exist yet is super expensive podcasts. Huh. Like like $10 an episode type expensive? More. Or? Like it's, oh. So you listen to Hardcore History? I have, yes. Uh-huh. That could it's be free. Fi- huh? That could be 50 bucks an episode. Yeah. Easily. Like you see this stuff like Masterclass happen. Like why well, isn't Hardcore the, History what's expensive? The, right. And then you're seeing more, I guess we pay for audiobooks. Yeah. So I guess there's you're saying there's something in the middle between audiobooks, which we pay a lot for. And free podcasts. Well, they, there's like I I heard this last year, but I'm not sure if it's totally true. But last year or whenever it was quoted, the audiobook market was three billion dollars. Mm-hmm. In the same year, the podcast market advertising was three hundred million dollars. And then when I talked to my friends, like, wait a second, there's this huge gap here because most people are actually listening to podcasts, not audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So. There has to be some kind of thing in the middle, especially around educational content, mm-hmm. where people will pay a lot of money mm-hmm. to have you and like teaching them and educating them. Because I think there probably is like a definitively best American history teacher mm-hmm. and a definitively best Mandarin teacher. Right. Yep. And you, I don't know, yeah. I pay a $1,000 a yeah. year for their podcast or whatever. Have you heard of the great courses? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That seems like kind of... In that spectrum. It's but it's like, like it's, it's like but... Internet 2.0, though. Right. I think yes. there's like a new, like a bigger version mm-hmm. that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The Himalaya is actually, I think, a, crazy. If, if, no, if you don't know about it, you should check it out. I'm trying to get <laughs> the YC Chinese podcast book. on it right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. yeah but awesome. it's like this big, complicated thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, all right. So do you think, po- okay, so there are t- so many podcasts out there. Yeah. Um, do you think it will become saturated like the music industry or do you think the music industry is saturated? No, I thought that question was like a false premise. I don't think music or like, is YouTube saturated? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Is blogging saturated? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot, there's a lot, but that doesn't mean like, you know, like you said, like PG doesn't write an essay a day for you. (laughs) Like, and yeah. Yeah. And would that be enough? Maybe not even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think is missing in the podcast world? Uh, I guess we talked about the educational content. Yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of missing stuff around monetization for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think in many ways, it's like going to be about people committing. Like a lot of people do it on the side um, or they've already had a product, right? Mm -hmm. So I think shifting that model to be like, hey, this is valuable. You should pay for it. I'm making really great content. And that might require some kind of like basic income salary Mm -hmm. from Spotify. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like, hey, Adora, you want to make kids say the darndest things, here's whatever, 30 grand a year, mm-hmm. and that's enough for you to get really motivated to make all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes, like, 
you don't see it because iTunes doesn't make it obvious, Mm -hmm. but iTunes has hundreds of thousands of dead podcasts and they just like never get it going enough Mm -hmm. to commit. Right. Yeah. Um, It's after three or four and then it just kind of. Yeah. Doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And then you're done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And then you quit. And so that's a good idea. So you thought, oh, so maybe, so what you're saying is Spotify might do the Netflix model of, or what you would hope is that the Netflix model of where they commit you to a certain number of episodes and then you just go for it. And then if it does well, you just renew. Well, because like, th- think about it, right? So I heard that Jerry Seinfeld signed a $100 million deal with Netflix wow. for comedians and cars plus some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much could Netflix or Spotify sign Adora for? Probably less than a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, you could imagine a world where like they hire a hundred podcasters at 30 grand a year. Mm-hmm. They all work from anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and they just make stuff that people are really into right. for Spotify. Yep. Cause like at 30 grand per person, that's actually not nearly as much, you know, as like paying for all of the, I don't know, Lady Gaga royalties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, c- I could see that happening. Um, in terms of podcasters, so you've obviously you listen to lots of podcasts. <laughs> what has been, you've talked a lot about Joe Rogan, but who else has been like the most influential for you? Um, I think Ralph Roberts is great. When I started the YC podcast, I had just heard about Econ mm-hmm. Talk. He's been doing it for a long for time. Ever. Yeah. I, I still don't know why that show is not bigger. Yeah. Like it's pretty big, but it yeah. could be bigger. Um, I wanted to do a combination of Econ Talk and Rogan. Where it's like interesting people who are technical, but it's also fun. Because like econ talks can be a little dry mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I really like those. But I have, dude, I have like this whole list I wrote down of yeah, other shows sure. I listen to. <laughs> um, so another dead, so there are a ton of dead podcasts that are still good. Uh, there's one called Seventh Avenue Projects. So this is by this guy, Robert Polly, who lives in SF somewhere or nearby SF. Uh, it's basically like an NPR science show. Hmm. And the interviews are great. They're like an hour long. It's got, it's got the NPR vibe, but if yeah. you can get past that, it's cool. <laughs> uh, there's another podcast I listen to called Barbell Medicine. So have you uh, ever gotten into lifting weights at all? Not really. Okay. So I got into it last year because uh-huh. I hurt my back uh-huh. and I was like, how do I fix this? And people said, well, you should lift. And I was like, okay, cool. So this is a podcast called Barbell Medicine uh-huh. and it's two doctors who talk about medical research as it relates to exercise. Oh, and so they like okay. read a bunch of papers and mm-hmm. say like, oh, you know, like creatine is good or like this protein's like garbage uh-huh. and like this type of exercise does nothing. And this is why you should train like, you know, three sets of five versus something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, surprisingly interesting. Uh, dead Authors Podcast. You listen to that one. Mm-hmm. This one's also dead. It's uh, Paul F. Tompkins uh, bringing on comedians who imitate dead authors and they have like <laughs> it's like an interview show uh um, they do it in their voice too yeah yeah yeah, That's yeah, hilarious. yeah, yeah. but it's all, i mean it's all goof like <laughs> oftentimes you don't really know who what their voice sounds like yeah. but the borges one with nick kroll uh-huh. is amazing if you want to check it out yeah, I will. uh berkshire hathaway so yahoo got the rights to the berkshire hathaway board meeting or the not the board meeting the conference the shareholder meeting the shareholder yeah, meeting yeah, uh-huh. that's a podcast oh wow okay. which is awesome uh i have a couple more Okay. Uh, the Nine Club. If you're into skateboarding growing up, Nine Club is amazing. Okay. Uh, it, they, they interview like a bunch of skateboarders from back in the day. It's fucking awesome. Uh, my buddy Spencer does one called Prepared. That's about manufacturing. I did an episode on that. Hmm. And Startup School Podcast by Seth Godin. Did you oh. ever hear that one? No. Same name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's from like 2012. Okay. It's actually really good. Cool. So 
All right. That's my list of stuff. I'll, to, I'll check out all of those. Um, <laughs> how did you discover the Dead Podcast? or Dead Author Podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I subscribed when it was still yeah. active. Or I mean it's like a, the, the Dead... Because I, um, I have a topic that I'm interested in. I'll go and search for it. And then that's how I discover oh, some of yeah. these podcasts that, that don't ex- really exist anymore. Yeah. So what, like, what ones are you into that are dead? Uh, well, I'm not into it. I just listened to the one episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't actually... Have you, you checked out um, Listen Notes? Yes, that one's a good. Listen one. notes is awesome because yep. that you can they index everything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a big thing. But I mean, it should be said, Discovery is totally broken. Yes. Which is why the clipping. This is this is what I think will happen. Like, there will be some version of a podcast app that resembles YouTube clipping. That's a podcast app. Mm-hmm. And so what happens with YouTube clipping is you just get in this like five to ten minute clip, one after the next, after the next. And like Himalaya is much more like that. Right. Than the this standard model of feeds yeah. and stuff. Yeah. More Twitter questions. Okay, these are this is these these are trying to get unrelated, but we'll just cool. finish off with some unrelated ones. Wait, um, but what podcast do you listen to? I well, I told you you have the YC one. Joe Rogan. Uh, I listen to Joe Rogan. I, I do listen to Econ Talk. I listen to um, Tyler C- Cohen. Cohen Alan? has yeah. yeah has a good one. Um, uh, I listen to Recode Decode. Okay, that one that one's. Why do you listen to podcasts? What? Um, well, I, I, I will preface with I actually listen to audiobooks much more. Oh, okay. And so when I'm kind of tired of listening to the audiobook, I will either switch to music or podcast. Okay. And so it's kind of my other thing that I listen to. But are you but kind I'm of tuned a, out when you're listening? You're like doing something else? Um, no, I... Uh, if I'm doing something else, I'll listen to music. Okay. But I never listen to like it's hard to listen to audiobooks, especially, but also podcasts when yeah. you're tuned out. Yeah. The tech ones are actually because it's like you know what's it's not going listening. On. Yeah, I guess I'm not learning anything entirely new, and so you can just listen it to while you're doing something else. Yeah. So that's what I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Yeah. Patrick Bender asks, "What idea do you believe in that your social group would think is crazy?" Oh yeah. Okay. So this is why I'm glad we got this question beforehand. I had had a moment to think about it. Uh, I think cushy internet jobs are bad for innovation. Okay, like what's an example of that? Any like fang job where you just like show up and kind of do work. Got it. Uh, And for that reason, I think jobs should have term limits on them. Unless you're like the founder. (laughs) (laughs) So like basically reverse vesting. Yeah. So it's like, hey, Adora, you've been a partner at YC for five years. See you later. Yep. And you, yeah. That's actually not a bad idea. And it's kind of implied that like, you know, if you go join Sequoia or something, you're like, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I've, I've, it's related to this uh, early retirement thing, but I see a lot of people like maximizing that and just staying on at big companies and it makes me mad mm-hmm. because they have so much talent mm-hmm. and they like they have safety nets. They could go do stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm, interesting. I think maybe somewhat related to that. I think there should be forced um, sabbaticals. Totally. Like after you work for so many years, you should take time off to like just do something else to like get the because I think if you work at a company, especially if it's like just one position and on one team you just kind of get stuck and you that you know that creativity flow and yeah. just thinking outside the box gets a, a little bit harder after some time <laughs> I've, I've been surprised that that's not like a, a bigger employee retention thing 
Yeah. Like, I know some companies do it, but it's after like quite a while. Yeah. Um, how? So Kat did one last year. Yes. Kat, who's also a YC partner. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And she came back because she had all these thoughts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then she came back and, and she was like super excited and really happy. And I was like, you know what? I kind of didn't feel like doing anything. And that was okay, too. Yeah. Like, I got, I got off my phone. And, and to her point, that's totally fair. Yep. But I do feel like that the forced sabbatical would need to be longer than the company. Oh, no. It want. should. Yes. I, I, th- I haven't thought about how long it should be. At least six months. Yeah. Three to six months. Three months. Three to six months. I think it's such a good idea. Yeah. Like, if, if there was an even greater incentive for them to... Basically, what I'm saying is, like, I want people to leave their jobs. But, like, uh, if, if they were, like, you know, we will decrease your salary if you return. Or, like, we'll give you some seed funding or something. But mm-hmm. then you see this stuff happening at Google, right? Where mm-hmm. they're, like, funding internal startup right. things. And it just feels like employee retention. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, so, I don't know. The, yeah. I haven't thought through what the right mechanism for that is. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, because I'm curious about you. Like, if you – how long have you been at YC? Uh, two and a half, three years, almost three okay. years. Yeah, we started yeah. roughly around, around the same, same time. time. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, how much time do you think you would want to like really consider? Yeah, that's yeah. Three to six months is probably I think okay. because then I think it lets you just focus on other things that again will help you with your job actually. Yeah. Um. And anyway. But uh, but yeah, yeah, this is the thing. Like a lot of people don't know this about you at YC, but you've jumped around between a bunch of stuff. Within YC. Within yeah, YC. Yeah, that's right. Whereas yeah. like some other people haven't. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like always looking for, right. for new things. It's my things. version of ADD. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. And is that also in the back of your head? Like maybe I want to start a city or maybe I want to do this yeah. on my own. Yeah. I, um, we'll see. I, I, in back of my head is always what's the next startup. Sure. Yeah. So that's always, and, and, and I think we talked about this in our, in our episode. Um, probably maybe uh, whatever the case you know it's on one hand being at YC is great because you you you're with all these founders and you're motivated um, about startups in general yeah. and there's so many ideas on the other hand it's like one one week I'm I'm obsessed with this one idea and then I talk to another founder and then I just <laughs> I like ping pong around <laughs> ideas um, and so it's very hard to stay focused um, on your own it's stuff. tricky right because you I can see it going both ways because I, with all of this stuff, like it's all good. There's no like objective right answer, but yeah, I can see that that intellectual like game being really compelling. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> but then you're it's also, addictive too, <laughs> totally. But you're also like a maker, right? Yeah, and so exactly. that 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 yeah. shift might happen. Yeah, watching people build and you're on the sideline not building is really rough. Um, so you have to come up with. At least hobbies, <laughs> side projects <laughs> yeah. that often go uncompleted, unfortunately. Um, all right. So Zachary Cannon asks, oh, okay. So, so this is uh, one of the application questions oh, for yeah, YC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please tell us about the time you most successfully hacked some non-computer system to your advantage. Um, so I, I kind of mulled over this one for a while. And I think the, the that silly world record actually might be the best one because it had like the largest outcome. Uh, so basically what happened was there was this trend in cycling, whatever I did, it was like four years ago, uh, where people were climbing the height of Everest on their bike and they called it Everesting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I could probably do that. Um, meanwhile, like I'm not, I mean, I'm heavier now than I was then. But even then I was like 170 pounds, which in cycling is like, 
heavy. Mm-hmm. Like you are, you're the fattest cyclist if you're 170. <laughs> 170. Pounds. What's the typical weight? I mean, the guys who win uh-huh. are like 135, 140, and they're taller than me. Wow. So they're stronger than okay. me too. They, they do like very. They all look very tall and skinny. They look like skeletons. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So like you, you're looking at probably like 5'11", 137 pounds, something mm-hmm. like that. And they're stronger than me. Yeah. And so I'm like 170 pounds and yeah, not, uh, not that skinny. So yeah. So basically what I did was like, I did that Everesting thing and I, and it worked and I was like, oh, I could do more of this. And so then I created a spreadsheet of all the hills in the East Bay where I could like maximize how much elevation I could get. <laughs> In like the shortest distance while also being like close to a bathroom, close to also <laughs> like not having enough traffic or not having too much traffic, like something that my friends could get to so they could like help me out. And uh, yeah, through that spreadsheet, I like unlocked this place that just worked for me. And so that's oh. basically how it happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It was pretty cool. And you, you achieved your goal. I achieved my goal. <laughs> of ever staying. And, exactly. And yeah. then my life was over. Happily ever after. <laughs> and yeah. then you had a quarter life crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically. And then I like left the country. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, cool. So last question. What? So you obviously talked to a lot of founders and being at YC, similar to myself. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel the pressure to just go start a company and... If you're going to start a company, what would what would the problem be, be that you, you want to answer help? for this one? No. For yourself, okay, I'll answer it first then. Uh, <laughs> the answer is yes, I do feel. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the answer that's a leading question. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, th- yeah, that's another thing that's not really talked about much on the podcast or in public at all. But working at YC and managing at YC is a weird kind of like cat wrangling. Where like the default personality type is like solo founder kind of vibe, <laughs> and like they everyone just wants to be doing their own thing all the time. Yeah. And so like boxing people, it's kind of you difficult. got a bunch of CEOs, yeah, former yeah. CEOs basically, <laughs> with very different styles, which yeah. is actually kind of interesting. Like it hasn't been selected for like one vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I think the answer is definitely yes. And where I'm kind of focusing right now is I'm I'm getting this impression that like. People want freer lives. And I think you see this with early retirement, but I also think you see it on the other side with like basic income. And then I think you see it in the middle with like Marie Kondo. And so there's like, there's just this vibe that people want like potentially less stuff, Mm -hmm. potentially simpler lives, Mm -hmm. potentially like more freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would probably develop a product in that space around one of the things that's like most expensive. So like probably a housing thing uh, where it's like a ton of your income goes into this, but it's like this aspirational thing that leads you to leaving, uh, to leading a freer life. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So it would be a, okay. I think I understand. Well, I mean, I mean like it's, I'm a little vague cause I think I might end up doing it, but like (laughs) it's a, yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else? about you there's oh. like there's tons of adora knowledge that hasn't been on the podcast I've, you've only done it like twice right i've only yeah i think i've done it twice right three times i did it once talking about startup school and then once random questions from the internet yeah right yeah i probably should do more podcasts if or do want. more writing or something yeah if you want <laughs> so what what's your like what attracts you as an idea right now or like a market i don't, I don't know um it's a good question there are a bunch of things i think Anything related to making life in a city better, um, anything from starting new cities to just mobility and 
housing and stuff like that I'm interested in. Um, so we're, in, we're funding more, more of those things at YC. It's cool. Um, I'm very on the other polar opposite. So it's kind of ironic. I'm also interested in this is remote co- collaboration and remote work stuff. Yeah. Um, and trying to figure out what are the tools that can help kind of replicate the, you know, I, I think a lot of like Slack and video and stuff like that, that's all, that's all well and good. Um, but the thing that you, that you still don't get is the serendipitous yeah. nature of living in a city. Um, and is that possible hmm. when you're not, uh, hmm. you know, actually physically together? Um, and I think if we can get, if we can build something to get there, then, you know, maybe cities aren't as needed. Um, but yeah, anyway, that would, that would go in the face of 2000 years of, you know, of why cities are great yeah, and yeah, why yeah. it spurs innovation and <laughs> no, no, well, <laughs> so totally. like dude if an alien showed up it would be oh humans build these things like that's like <laughs> yes. our one goal <laughs> like, we take we over the cities. earth and like build these yes. things <laughs> um yeah so those are two topics come on i'm starting to look into um brain computers and stuff like that oh like um, Neuralink type stuff yeah, yeah yeah stuff like that really uh, but but yeah i'm just i'm just starting is there anything cool happening right now like anything um, working I, I'm such a, I'm okay. a beginner Total right noob. now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, what else? Yeah. And then a, a lot of stuff in emerging markets. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a lot of uh, good engineers that are starting, like good engineering talent that's mm. um, popping up. In, and not like obviously India and China are the obvious ones, but places like um, Jakarta, we have a company in Iraq, this, yeah. this, this batch. Um, and so they're just building a lot of, uh, basic, I mean, it's probably to us in America, it's kind of basic inf- digital infrastructure stuff, okay. but I think it's what's going to spur innovation and spur the economy of a lot of these places. And would, so I'm really you? excited. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. Like, obviously there's a lot of arbitrage stuff people can do with so much engineering talent, but like, would you build home joy in iraq like would you be excited to do th- a thing again if you like- i don't think that would work there um yeah. but um yeah I, i've pretty much decided i i don't think i want to work um like the next company i build is not going to be in the o2o space okay. like heavy operations it's like it's um, it's going to be more in software and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I don't know. It depends. Like I want to work on a really good problem though, first and foremost, and yeah. how I go about solving it, it's whatever. So if it ends up being that, then it ends up being that. Um, so my mind doesn't first go to that. And also I'm, I, th- I think it requires local talent to get that stuff right. Um, and so I'm more interested in the position I'm now, which is helping them. Yeah. Um, do th- like start things and think about how to go about you know setting up operations and um and how to think about metrics and stuff like that and getting it off the ground yeah um but yeah so i i prefer to work on that level okay. in emerging markets uh but it's fascinating to me so when are you like when is an opportunity going to be good enough for you to feel that it's right um i think when is it i mean i think on two levels one is um, people you work with. Mm-hmm. And so finding the right team to work with again. Um, and then to the problem again, yeah. it's something that where I don't get distracted from. <laughs> so it has to be really <laughs> compelling to me, right? Like yeah. if, if I can come up with this while I'm at YC, that'd be amazing because I get distracted very often yeah. with new cool ideas. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So 
I think those are the two big okay. criteria for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want for you a lot of things. And Thanks. so, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just like, I'm not going to go full like Luke Eisman and like scream at you and pressure you to like, quit your job immediately. But it's, it's always a thing. Like it's something I care about. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, that has been a fun, long podcast. Thank you very much Thank for you. doing this. And I hope others have learned. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. So as always, you can find the transcript and the video at blog.ycombinator.com. And if you have a second, it would be awesome to give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. See you next time.